Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Welcome back to Fighting on Film, everyone. Me and Matt are back with another episode today. And we are going to be remembering the great Sean Connery, who unfortunately passed away um, earlier this year. At the fine old age of 90. Yes, he had a a very long run, uh, bless him. And we thought we would take a look at one of his lesser known films and lesser known war movies with 1965's The Hill. And it's directed by Sidney Lumet, who is astronomically famous for directing movies such as Network, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, 12 Angry Men. So Matt, do you want to tell us a little bit about the plot of the film and the production, things like that? So basically, The Hill is a film about a British Army military prison in North Africa during the North Africa campaign. And we don't get a specific date, but we think it's probably 1942, 43, sometime around then. Yeah, could be. Uh, there's there's no indications in sort of dialogue about you know what's going on at the time, but we know that it's it's in North Africa and and the prison is sort of where all of the uh, petty thieves, malingerers, people have gone AWOL. Yeah, yeah. Most prominent um, offender to arrive at the hill, the prison is uh, Sean Connery playing uh, Joe Roberts, who is a, a recently uh, broken. Sergeant Major from I think it's the Royal Tank Regiment, and the the word has gone out uh, uh, through the army. I think we get that kind of feel that you know people have been talking about the case mm-hmm. where he 
he's basically refused to go into action and then struck an officer. Mm. And it's been like a very prominent court-martial. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we get the the uh, the RSM and, and the staff sergeants discussing that this chap's going to be arriving. He has a reputation, doesn't he? He does. His, his, rep- his reputation basically precedes him. And... Before that, though, we get like a we get like a sort of like panning shot of the of the actual mm. uh, prison itself and and the the eponymous hill. Yes, uh, the hill of the title. That's it. The that shot is just you know it sets the whole movie up. You can you feel the heat. There's a man goes up the hill and he doesn't quite make it and he collapses and he rolls back to the bottom. Yeah, and the men get doubled out to go and grab him away, and you're like, oh god, this is this part of the, the hill is going to be so important to the film. Yeah. It sets the tone for the whole film. Definitely. You know, you have this constant background of men doing PT and drill. Yeah, yeah. And there's the overbearing heat. And we get this portrayed through some really tight close-ups of um, the prisoners and the and the actual, like, the, the prison warders, the, the staff sergeants and the NCOs controlling the prison. And then we, we have a fresh batch of five prisoners arrive. Yeah. But before this, two prisoners are being released. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They double over and they have a, a brief chat with um, the RSM, which is uh, RSM... Wilson. Bear Wilson. Yeah. Who's played by the brilliant Harry Andrews. Absolutely fantastic. Classic British character actor, which the entire cast is really driven by that classic batch of 50s, 60s British character actors. So just to go over the cast briefly, we've got Harry Andrews as Wilson. Um, then we have... Uh, Jack Watson as Jock McGrath, and Jack Watson's been in dozens of dozens of films. He was Sandy in The Wild Geese, exactly. Which, you know, automatically makes him an absolute hero. Um, we've got uh, Roy Kinnear. He always brings like a, a, a wry comic side to yeah. his to his part. He's like a cheeky cheeky chap, and yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Sir Michael Redgrave, who you know has been in so many great films, mm-hmm. and then we have Ian Hendry and Ian Bannon, who are a pair of competing staff sergeants. So they're, they're subordinates to uh, regimental Sergeant Major Wilson, who basically controls the prison. And we have these two staff sergeants. Williams, played by Ian Hendry, is uh, a new staff sergeant, isn't he? Yeah. He's a new arrival. He's a new arrival. And at the start, the RSM goes through the sort of job role a little bit with the staff sergeants. No one's going to give us any medals here. One job is just as important as the next. This is my show. Don't step out of line. Do as I say, and you'll be okay, sort of thing. And then he sort of he dresses down these two lads that are getting yeah. sent out, and he's like, "Oh, you're you're soldiers again now. You know, you're you're you know almost like saying, oh, 'Oh, you're good boys now. You know, you, you you did what you were told. Now, now there's good lads. Off you go.'" Yeah. Interestingly, all three of them have like different approaches, don't they? Wilson is the RSM. He's about you know you break men down slowly, you build them back up to soldiers again. You've got Harris, who is let them be in the prison. That's enough sort of thing. And then you've got Williams, who is like this sort of stern, horrible man who's just loving every minute of being able to like manipulate and yeah. twist and, and and destroy these men and genuinely physically break them. And, and that's sort of his arc is what leads the film's plot, really. It's a weird film, isn't it? Because it is. no one is the central character, even though Connery is the name. It's mm. it's not really about him, and it doesn't become to be about him until the last half hour. Yes, that's true. I would definitely agree with that. There is no plot until the last half hour. Really. The 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 three most key characters are 
the RSM and the two staffs. Yeah, yeah. They're basically, it's a power struggle, but you don't sort of realize it's a power struggle until probably the midpoint of the film, which is interesting. Yeah. Initially, you feel like it's just a matter of these newly arrived prisoners basically surviving. Yeah. Surviving the, the prison. And their crimes as well. The crimes of the other four blokes, apart from Sean Connery's, like Sean's crime is probably the most criminal thing out of the lot of the... It's definitely the most serious, yeah. They're sort of non-crimes. Yeah. But then the film sort of, it presents you these men and it's like, well, well, they haven't done anything that bad. Does it fit the punishment? Because the minute the minute they're sort of in there, they get doubled up the hill. And like you're thinking, oh my God, like this is, this is awful. This is torture. You know, and you've got Williams's standing there loving every minute of it yeah the sort of it turns doesn't it the sort of oh you're gonna love it here you're gonna like do as i say from the rsm wilson and then it's immediately to to williams just being like i'm gonna break these men and make them nothing because i'm everything it's like little power trips the whole movie the whole movie's like power trips. yeah it's definitely a power trip and with wilson you kind of get the feel that he's trying to be firm but fair that's it yeah he even has a bit of a, a joke. There's a bit of like soldier's humor with the new arrivals and with the two men yeah, they're yeah. leaving. So, you know, he's, 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 he's portrayed as initially at least being, you know, fair. And he probably is throughout the film, but he is, as we go on, he does like struggle to retain control of the, you know, the prison itself. So I suppose we should we should sort of describe the hill. Yeah, we should. In case anyone listening hasn't seen it. So the film the film uh, is 123 minutes long. It's a long watch, but it's a really mm. enjoyable one, and it's well worth uh, sitting down to, to to enjoy. Definitely. But in case you haven't um, seen it yet, the hill is basically what is described as uh, something that the prisoners have actually constructed. Yes. So it's a, a giant hill flanked by. Um, two sides that are rocks and stones. I've got what Wilson says. Oh, go ahead. See that hill? I noticed as I came in. We built it special. Two tons of sand and rock and a lot of labour and sweat. There you go. And on, and on set, it was like a fibreglass. So not fibreglass. It was a, a, a sand hill built up on rocks. Yeah. Where Williams, late at night, goes up and down it. It's shot from him going up and down from the middle of the hill. Mm-hmm. And you can see, like genuinely like it's steep it's very even if the movie wasn't a movie you you'd struggle to get up there yeah it's steep and it's sand and you know if you've walked through loose sand you know how unpleasant sand can be and unstable yeah yeah especially in ammo boots so getting people to double up and down that in boots and and kit that's that's not fun so i i I found out that the hill was made up from using 3,500 meters of imported uh, tube steel my word more than 60 tons of timber and stone covered with sand so they must have built like a scaffold and then um basically packed it out with built it up yeah with with timber stone and sand amazing really and it's that's the that's the focal point of whenever you're outside of the prison it's really imposing it apparently was filmed in an old spanish fort in um, oh, there you go. in southern spain like near malaga or um almeria mm. And it was it was basically it, you can see on the the establishing shot there's a the part of the walls falling down. What they've done is they've put up like a, a chain fence, you yep. know, a typical pr- like prison prison of war, 
chain yeah. fence. Yeah. I think that's that's also something interesting to note that you know they they went to the you know extent of finding a um a suitable like prison that looked like somewhere that they might repurpose you know in in, in Libya in the middle of nowhere if you escape where are you going to go yeah you know, you're going to die if you do anyway aren't you yeah it's an it's an interesting film because we have it moves away from a dynamic we're used to of you know of war films that involve prisoners are almost always prisoners of war yeah that's it yeah so there's only a couple of films you know i can think of that deal with prisoners that aren't actually prisoners of war they're actually military prisoners military prisoners exactly you know things like paths of glory uh there's that red uh, robert redford film from from the early 2000s the castle or the last castle rather uh which is very similar actually in plot to the hill i've not seen that one maybe we have to compare it but yeah, it's a very rare, rare genre piece. You know, you don't you don't get movies like this, a film mm. about military discipline and, and military prisons and things like that. It's, it's quite it's a refreshing plot. You know, it, it's very strikingly different. Almost every war movie of that 50s, 60s genre. No, almost no one is likable to an extent. There's no characters that you really do side with. I don't I don't think I know the only one character I felt actually I could see your point was what was Harris. Mm because um, he was trying to show a bit of care. Yeah, a bit of compassion. But even then, he was part of the system and was doing what he was told and was yeah. being mean when he, he shouldn't really have been being mean. A really odd film in that regard. It is, and it's very much a character film in that there's not a huge amount of story. It's just the story of Sean Connery and the other prisoners, you know, arriving at the prison and surviving. That's it. Or, you know, in the face of adversity. Yeah. But then there's also the plot of the power struggle between the senior NCOs at the, at the prison and, you know, the way that all unfolds. I mean, we don't, we don't really see any officers other than um, uh, Michael Redgrave's character as the uh, medical officer, the CMO. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And we briefly see the camp commandant. I think it's very interesting that every time we see the camp commandant, he, he's paying a prostitute. Yeah. He's getting out of bed. You know, and there's a scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. And just hands her, hands her a fiver. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious. And there's a scene where he keeps the entire prison waiting for like the, the weekly um, inspection. Yeah. And, you know, they're all stood in the baking sun. And, you know, there's loads of these great close-up shots of of the the sweat pouring down their faces. You know, they're all stood to attention, waiting. And it's not just the salt, it's not just the the prisoners. It's also, you know, the the staff, they're all there stood waiting. Yeah, the heat is the, the heat is like a big... It's a common element. It's a common element, isn't it? And the, you know, oh, I'm so hot. You know, you can hear flies buzzing around. You don't never see them, but you, you can hear them buzzing around yeah. prison cells. And, you know, you get this sort of the, the bake the bake heat sort of noise. Mm-hmm. And it, it's quite, it's very atmospheric. It's a, it's a very atmospheric film. One of the things I, I read about when I was doing some research about the film is that they recorded the sound more or less live. Oh, wow. So you get a lot of that drill that's going on in the background. And that's one of the complaints audiences had especially in the US, because apparently they struggle to understand some of the, the regional dialects and accents. Oh, right, okay. So, you know, like Sean Connery's Scots accent, and, you know, I think I think they struggle with... Um, uh, McGrath. McGrath as well. Yeah. And, Robert? You know, yeah. Robert? And he sort, of, he sort of has that sort of, like, mumble. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And I think they the producers of the film... Have you seen how to are you, Roberts? <laughs> it's like proper... <laughs> 
Exactly. And he's like he's in a Yorkshire tea ad, bless him. The studio wanted to actually put subtitles or overdub it with American accents. No. So that American audiences couldn't understand it. In Europe, apparently, it fared much better mm. because it was all subtitled anyway. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So, so they could read it and understand it. You know, it did very well in Europe and very well in, in, in the UK, but it, it, it sort of didn't take off in, in, mm. in, in the US because of the, mm. the accents and probably um some of the you know the background noise getting through as well i i didn't i didn't think that was an issue i thought the background mm. noise and you know the live audio added to that you know that it was just it was atmosphere it was it like was. the atmosphere of the, the you know the music we talk a lot about it on this pod like the atmosphere and the, the mise-en-scene and the sound design in these war movies is mm. really important and and this is one of the movies that really gets it right you, you can't rely on an explosion or a crack of a gunshot you have to have completely different noise and sound effects for this movie to work and people sort of doubling everywhere and the smash of boots on sand and yes. like people stamping their feet when they when they stand to attention cleaning the drill and things like that that's what come through but to hear that american audiences didn't enjoy that for me is sort of they didn't understand why it's there because mm. it's it's all there for a reason plus it was in black and white yeah and that didn't have to be at all no but it really helps because that old stock stock black and white film reel. It's very atmospheric in in and of itself. Every single little crease of of a man's uniform. Exactly. Things like that. Mm. It picks it up. It's it's all for a reason. So Matt, did you did you find out anything about military punishment? Yeah, so one of the things that you know is pretty interesting about the film is that it focuses on a on a military mm. prison. Obviously, there's a long history of of punishment and military punishment. The British Army has, you know, that you know, there's that old um, tradition of flogging. Yeah, yeah. You know, that didn't go out until until the uh, the late 1800s, mid 1800s, and field punishments, you know, during the, the Great War, fairly strenuous and unpleasant. The, the history of, of military prison. Military prisons. <laughs> prisons. Then like Sean. The spirit of the spirit of Sean is taking me. <laughs> the tradition of military prisons in the British Army goes back to uh, around the, the 1850s with the establishment of of Aldershot military, military prison, uh, what became known as the Glass House, which has since become sort of the 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 slang term for, for any. British Army military prison. That's my word, isn't it? And Put you in the glass house. Exactly. And glass house comes from the, the glass, basically the roof of, of one of the older shot wings, which is really interesting. There's this long history of glass houses and, and, and British military prisons where they're serving soldiers, but you know they're, they're being punished during their service for acts that they've committed. Yeah. yeah. And offences that they committed, you know, while soldiers. So you have this level of discipline and harshness that you probably don't see in civilian prisons. The punishment these guys are getting in the film, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I didn't do this in porridge. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> Everything that I've seen in prison movies, the hill really takes the cake. Yeah, no one walks God, anywhere. No, everyone doubles. You know, if there's a word that is synonymous with a hill, it's double. You hear it every other four, four, fifth. You like, do. Double, double, double. The sound design is brilliant because it, it, you're like, fucking hell. All right. You know, it, you get a bit annoyed with 
Williams and Harris because you're like Jesus all right that's enough well it's it's very representative of that kind of discipline and drill of that period where the constant shouting and and barked orders and you have to double everywhere you have to double on the spot yeah it's absurd it it, it ramps it up to absurd levels but it's obviously that's what the movie's going for it's going for that absurdity of discipline Connery's character is accused of refusing to go into action in the face of the enemy. That's it. And striking an officer. And we we basically, we learn that, but we don't learn the reasons behind that until much Very later on. further into the film. Yeah. So we're there wondering, is our hero, because he's the big named actor, is our hero um, mm. an anti-hero? You know, has he really done this? And why did he do this? Definitely anti-hero for me. Mm. Even though it's Sean Connery as a character there's not a lot of redeeming qualities for him because later on you hear that he didn't go in with his tank to this in this mm-hmm. action but all of his crew did and they were all killed you're a coward then but you're not a coward well that's def- that's definitely how he feels yeah. he didn't go in because he was under arrest Oh, right. So he has this sort of like guilt trip. Mm. That's how I understood it anyway. I mean, I'm like, oh, okay, I thought he but he was like, well, they went in and I didn't. Oh, I, um, I don't know. Well, the, the, it sort of, it gets revealed, doesn't it? That the officer was, was ordering them into, into a, um, a situation that was basically suicide. And, you know, it, it definitely turned out to be the case. Mm. But Connery refused to, to lead the, the troop in, mm. eventually struck the officer and was, you know, put into put under arrest he said he blacked out didn't he and the next thing he knew he was people were grabbing him off the major it conjures up an image of of connery absolutely leathering this bloke and that i think the blackout sort of perhaps leads into the struggle that connery's having because in one of the most climactic scenes of the film he he, he basically con- confronts our the rsm yeah oh, that's a fantastic scene it's it's a brilliant scene he is arguing that soldiers can't be tin soldiers fighting and operating by the book you know yeah there's a great line where he says um this isn't queen victoria's army anymore you know it's all wrong queen victoria is dead exactly yeah there's that clash of ideologies whereas connery had previously held the same values as as the rsm to a degree you know he he, they both like quote some of the king's regulations back and forth yeah it's it's brilliant um, you know by paragraph connery sort of like has this this breakdown of weight He's tired of the futility of always following regulation. Carrying out orders for no reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where the plot for me starts saying something more than the mm. movie. Whereas because this is this comes out in a time where like you know the British Empire is declining and the retreat from empire. Exactly. So post-colonial phase and, and I think Sean Connery might even say something like that as well. He mentions the Empire isn't important as he does yeah he sort of like mocks the idea of mm. of you know it, it being for king and empire and you know and yeah, you've got harry and harry andrews's rsm is the archetypal sergeant major you know he mm-hmm. he just looks like he would batter you to death if you didn't if you didn't stand to prof- if you didn't um stand to attention the right way he would absolutely berate you he's the walking equivalent of the king's regs yeah, he's like that. He's he is like a, a personification of, yeah, yeah. of rules and regulations, isn't he? Him and Dickie Amber out of Guns at Patelzi would would just absolutely get on, wouldn't he? You? You'd see him in the mess. Oh God, yeah. They even drinks whiskey as well, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, they both drink whiskey, which is brilliant. 
Well, it's a classic. It's a classic stereotype, isn't it? I, mean, I suppose. Definitely. Um, one of the, I suppose, one of the interesting things about the RSM character is he knows he's never going to win any medals working in a military prison. Yeah, yeah. But it's his duty, and he accepts the task of breaking these men down and building them back up into soldiers. Yeah. And that's kind of like how he justifies his own career. And yeah, and what he does, yeah, he's do he's doing something for the army, so therefore yeah. it is just. Whereas Williams, who basically it's discussed at the the beginning of the film that he comes from, you know, civilian life. He's been a been a warden at Wormwood Scrubs, I think it, it mentions, you know, a, a British prison in London. And they sort of like discuss the dynamic of the prison back in Britain being bombed and him coming into the into the army. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought it was gonna be oh, it's gonna be fish out of water. Like he's gonna see how brutal this prison is. But no, he becomes mm. the brutal prison. And it's very quick. So I I thought, oh my God, like, you know, he's, he's an evil man in this movie. Williams is. And he's yeah, sadistic. Yeah. Really sadistic. And he, he from like scene one where we see him, you sort of don't really notice he could be anybody. And then the minute mm. he's given command or charge of Sean Connery and his, his prison mates, he absolutely turns into this horrible, sneering, almost like playground bully. Yeah, he, the power corrupts, doesn't it? Really corrupts him so fast. And, you know, he doubles them up the hill in their full kit in the blazing sun and he doubles them back down. And then he singles out Sean Connery and says, you're going up again, double. And he has the rest of them jump into a, a pond. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah. and, and, and cool, cool down. And, and Connery, the, the emotion on his face, like the, the abject depression of seeing like the rest of them in the cool water as he's having yeah. to continue doubling up the hill. It's just... I mean, Connery in this film is, he is a standout, but my God, there's some amazing performances in this film. All round, everyone puts in an absolute display. It's such a rich seam of, of performances. You know, Harry Andrews is RSM. You know, we've we've picked it out a lot, but he, he served in the Royal Artillery during the Second World War anyway. So he's used to this. Oh, right. um, but he really is, you know, he's pulling out all the stops to be this yeah. hard as nails RSM. Connery, and I think... Almost sometimes he's a bit redundant in it. The story's not about him, mm. so it, it could be anyone. But then he does come. Well, in. as you say, he doesn't become a focal point until no. later, doesn't he? No, but he's got. He's the one with the the brains, or at least the heart, to stand mm. up for it or know that it's wrong. And then you've got it's you've got Williams's horrible staff, and then you're introduced to Harris, who's been at the prison for we assume a few years at this point. Yeah. Well, to the point where he's calling the RSM is by his first name. That's it, yeah. And the RSM calls him Charlie as well. Yeah, so, so they, they definitely know each other well. I think the first thing he says in the whole movie is, is, is in, in the scene where he's uh, chatting to the RSM. He offers him, offers him a sweet. That little act of kindness goes a long way. And he's like, oh, you know, you're gonna, you shouldn't be too hard on these boys. You know, he's like, oh, don't tell me how to do mm. my job. So yeah, everyone's sort of got someone to play off in a way. So mm. Sean's got... McGrath to play off because McGrath is the the only person who in his world of his cell who can sort of stand up to him properly. Yeah, they're, they're the most alike, aren't they? Yeah. You know, you've got Harris has got Williams to play off of. The RSM sort of mm. has the commandant. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Not really. So he's he's only answerable to himself. Mm. Kinnear and Ozzie Davis, Jacko King, they don't have anyone to play off, but they've got their own sort of, their own arcs. And Jacko's is way more interesting than Kinnear's character. K- Kinnear is a little bit, I think he's in it to be the comic relief. But he just, just gets annoying. I mean, to a degree. So he's always asking to be, you know, transferred to a different cell. Well, I've had enough. I've had a stomach full of this. I have. You know, he keeps saying. And that. you know, they all play a role in the film, so they all sort of play a role in the, in the the ramping tensions. Mm. Kinnear's quite overweight, and he, you know, he breaks down on like a, a rope climb, and he's like, "I'm, he, I'm fat." You know, he, he, he sort of like, cr- yeah, laments and cries out, "I'm fat." And you feel for him in that. You do feel for him though. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a good scene. Every like, time someone cracks. You feel for him? Mm. Maybe we should talk about the last half hour. Spoilers. If anyone's not seen the movie, go watch it now. We haven't really spoiled yes. anything up till now. We usually would talk about favourite scenes. Yeah, it's difficult to pick a standout scene. It isn't like a There's is the Glory and it isn't like a a trench 11 it's not one of those kind of films because the the plot doesn't lend itself to enjoyment almost you enjoy the movie but you you're not enjoying what these men are going through but i think if we single out the last half hour where actually the the plot happens from the moment when um stevens finally collapses i think that's a a really fascinating scene all on its own mm. he's almost picked out because he's a nobody he's the weakest i think I think that's why he gets gets sort of like singled out. And he, but even at the start, um, the RSM says, "Do as you're told. You don't need to. You shouldn't be here. Do as you're told. You'll be fine. Get out of the army. Get out of the army. Yeah, as soon as you can." And then they've had a really hard day of being doubled up the hill. Not a lot of water. Not a lot of food. Things like that. You know, everything everything they sort of need to survive is sort of given to them in in drips and drops you know they sort of yeah. they don't get enough of anything these lads to the point where they're sort of like they when they go out to like collect their their, their rations they have to double across the oh, yard yeah, yeah. and their food sort of like jumping out of their canteen tins yeah that horrible looking stew they've got oh god yeah <laughs> but they, even then oh there's that bit sorry it's it's just there's great bits with the the sergeant major again he goes Everything okay with your lunch to to Kinnear? You got, have you got enough bread? And he says it looks a bit light, so and he gives <laughs> <laughs> he get him to weigh yeah. it and cuts a bit off, gives it back to him. There you go, there you go. <laughs> they pushed a breaking point. They really pushed a breaking point, and they're all having like a chat about how it is in the prison. And there's this really really bright light in their cell. They think it's the sun because they've gone delirious. Mm. And Sean's like, it's not. It's a Gestapo lamp. In the, <laughs> that's my great Sean Connery there, and he's like, you know, they're they've got you where they want you because they've broken you already. We've only been in here like a couple of days. Yeah. Like what the hell sort of thing. He's amazed that these men have gone mad. 
in the space of time. And Stevens is sort of, he's like, I can't do it. I'm, I can't do it anymore. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then he's just sort of like staring into a wall, isn't he? At that he's point. absolutely gone crackers. And then Roy Kinnear, sort of his character starts giving, giving drill orders because, you know, they recognize that they think it's a joke. They think it's funny. Mm. You know, Sean doesn't. They think that obviously Sean doesn't know no, he's just lying there, but he does laugh once. They all start laughing once once uh, Kinnear starts barking orders and and Paul Stevens sort of like starts doubling around the cell, you know, about turn, yeah, like march on the spot and um and eventually he collapses and dies. His death starts the real story in motion where mm. Sean Connery wants to pin the death of Stevens on Williams because Williams was pushing him hard. There's a scene previously uh, earlier on in the film where. Um, Stevens gets picked out because his kit isn't doesn't look right or well in the inspection um, because he's been rubbing it on the the cell wall to make it more white or something. Yeah, um, but basically his his kit's dirty from the day before and he's so exhausted he can't clean yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So there's there's sort of like a, an interesting moment of leadership where Connery basically, well Roberts basically takes over and you know directs um, McGrath to help him clean the kit by rubbing it on the whitewash becomes like a poor man's version of like blanco so he gets singled out williams doubles him up the hill and in his gas mask yes that's that's a hell of a scene you, you know he puts it on and you get a shot through the the, the respirators i the, the cinematography of that bit is is brilliant you hear the heavy breathing and him going up and down and it, you just say oh god this guy's gonna collapse he's gonna die you really yeah. feel for him but he doesn't die he just he just cracked. He does not at that point. Yeah, you know, he's cracked him. Williams wants these men to fear him. You know, fear is like this big theme in the whole yeah. film. You fear the RSM and you fear the staff and you fear the the heat of the blazing sun. You fear the hill. It's evil, isn't it? Yeah, it's the fear of discipline, isn't it? Consequences of actions, etc. But none of these men have done anything to warrant them being broken to the point where they're going to die of heat exhaustion. No one cares if they do. No, and that's the thing. So the the Michael Redgrave's um, CMO, the the medical officer, you know, he's he's basically just phoning it in, mm. isn't he? You know, he, the 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 one of the great scenes at the beginning of the film is he has each of the new prisoners in to come and see whether they're past, you know, past fit for punishment. A one fit for punishment. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and that basically boils down to you know, um, just dropping their trousers and and turning on a, <laughs> a lamp, you know, one, doing a one eighty. And, you know, that's how he examines them. Connery goes, where well, are you sending me the stud farm? But yeah, and then he goes, oh, anything I should know about? And he goes, well, I wouldn't boast if I did. And then, and then he's sent out for rigorous punishment. No one cares enough, do they? Apart from the RSM. No, no. And that's, the, that's where it, it's wrong. So Stevens, you know, singled out for all this horrible punishment, drops down dead in the cell. You know, after that, it really sort of hits the fan, didn't it? Yeah, and the, the film ramps from there and what i thought was interesting about that scene where you know they're all laughing and and Kinnear's getting him to double around the cell and shouting orders at him like one of the the ncos is they're all kind of responsible for his death yeah obviously williams is is responsible for you know breaking him and causing him heat stroke and pushing him to the point where a few barked orders in a cell were enough to kill him yeah, I think it's a heart attack. I assume he had a heart attack. Yeah, he just collapses, isn't he? It's just, you know, it's just very obvious that he's he's dead because uh, we get like a close-up of his face mm. and Connery checks him and, and he says he's, he's, he's dead. And 
from there it's sort of it's sort of all about um using Stevens's death to prove that Williams is being a complete tyrant so after that they they cut you know you've got Williams and Harris and the RSM at this local bar and they get sort of taken out Williams just he just doesn't care you can tell you can see he's fully aware that he'll probably get away mm. with this because he you know he doesn't see that he's killed this guy um and obviously from the viewer's point of view yeah you could argue that Harris didn't kill him it was his cellmates who were trying to have a bit of a laugh at his expense but from what Williams has done to the guy he has killed him then from that scene it's this big sort of scene in the in the cell block where all the guys Steven, Steven, Stevens, they all start chanting his name, don't they? Yeah, the mutiny, more or less. Mutiny sort of thing. And that is where the plot is sort of based, because this is where the allegation of murder is picked up on. It's quite it's quite complex, isn't it? So, Very complex, yeah. It they you know, the RSM is trying to keep a handle on things and, and cover he's it up. making basically and he's making everything vague. You know, he's he's asking, you know. Is there any blood on Stevens? Did is there a bullet wound in Stevens? Did anyone see Harris physically murder Stevens? Well, that's what he goes. He goes, bullet wounds, marks, or abrasions. <laughs> I'll take you to the commandant, and you can all speak freely. Yeah. Well, this is it. He's using the book. Yeah, the KRs. Because I'll have you. Yeah, he's he's trying to trip them in it. You know, he's he's yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Telling them they can do all of these things freely. But mm. the commandant's not going to believe you. Yeah, because because he believe because he's he's mine. Yeah. He's in my pocket. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't he, care. He's too busy with the prostitute. And then you've got this beautiful scene where Harry Andrews gets his bath on. He's in the middle of all yeah. these guys. It's a tense scene because you know they're all shouting, and you know at that point I think he's still in control of the prison because he Definitely. he diffuses the situation. He does. You know, you're thinking, oh god, there'll be a riot. You know, because if if these guys wanted to riot. There's maybe only like 20 staff there. You know, they pretty much mm. could do it. And I'm thinking, oh, they get God. the hoses out, don't they? Yeah, get the hoses out. And they've got their, you know, their battens or are they mm. yardsticks? I don't know what they were. They, they look like some of them have like yardsticks and some of them have like battens. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they don't get any arms out because there's this bit. Harris goes, shall I get the go to the army, sir? And, and Andrews goes, is this Chicago? <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> And um, you know they they don't they're not armed so he you know I'll deal with this with a fine speech that's it yeah exactly but Andrews the RSM knows that if you bring guns out then it might ramp the situation up mm. and if Williams is going to kill Stevens by drilling him Williams might kill one of them by shooting him so I think you know there's conscious decisions going on Andrews is the RSM I think honestly he's he's just he is phenomenal in that role he's a standout yeah standout. All these guys are shouting, Stevens, Stevens, and it ramps and ramps and ramps. And he's like, gets them to quiet down. And there's this one little meek, timid, private soldier prisoner holding his mess tin. And he goes, what's your name? Oliver Twist? <laughs> Put that down. You've missed breakfast. And he throws his mess tin. And this guy's like shitting himself because he's been singled out. But the RSM knows, single out a weak one because he's, yeah. he's not going to be mouthy back. And he goes, what's your name? And the guy goes, Stevens. It's like um, Spartacus almost. Yeah. And without missing a beat, Andrew's uh, character goes back, Staff, we've got a miracle. A man back from the dead. Take him back to the mortuary. (laughs) (laughs) 
and before that, take him over the hill before we bury him. <laughs> it's so evil, and it's so like a bee sting. But by the end of that scene, he's diffused everything. They've yeah, had a bit. He's of, having a laugh. They're having a laugh. Yeah, you know, and everyone's back in their cell. Mm. But it's the way his pronunciation of words and the way he sort of the way he says things and the the words he chooses to like roll over his tongue and all that. Mm. It's just it's a tour de force that whole bit then the allegations of murders start ramping and yeah someone's actually come forward to say look i will you know come forward mcgrath and king basically back up connery's assertion that that's it that um that williams has murdered stevens and and king's king's got his own reasons for for wanting to fight back as well because he's Mm. been horrendously racially abused like the whole movie yeah these little constant digs at his sort of his life and his mm-hmm. background you can see why he you know he goes mad you know he he, yeah. he actually crack properly mentally cracks yeah you know but even then i wasn't even sure if he was doing that because they cracked him or because he knew that was a way that he could act yeah i mean wouldn't it, be able to touch him it's definitely definitely true so you kind of like there's a great scene where he resigns from the british army which obviously yeah, he can't really fantastic. do yeah but he yeah. takes off he takes off his uniform and he starts ripping his clothes up and he's hysteric you know mm. and at that point you know he, he, I, quit he I think this he def- bloody army exactly yeah. you definitely get the feeling that he is really you know he's he's become unhinged he's broken mm-hmm. and you know, he's, he's screaming out that you know none of this is fair i don't want to be in this army anymore yeah yeah so and he, you know and he he gets marched to the commandant's office for the interview mm. of like you know explaining that williams has killed stevens and he yeah. you know he goes in his underwear so he's marching across the you know the square dublin in well actually no he, he so he, that's the only time you see anyone walk in the film he basically yeah, yeah. walks because he refuses to yeah. double and it's harris like shouting at him double double and he's just not and harris finds this amusing he does really but yeah. he can't show it but when he's in the sort of confined space with a commandant and and jacko you see him like I can't control him. Yeah. Yeah. But he like has a little wry smile as if he's loving every minute of it. And J- Jacko takes cigarettes and sits ice great. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's sort of like he's in he's in his underpa- underpants and he's sat on the the, the commandant's like yeah. sofa smoking one of yeah. his yeah, smoking one of his <laughs> cigarettes and he's yeah. I like this you know, brand. Yeah. <laughs> and the um the commandant's like in complete and utter shock about yeah. what's going on. And then there's a flip change moment where 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 King basically tends to him jacko king goes and don't forget williams murdered stevens mm. and then he just sort of like saunters like, out again yeah and then the commandant's like what 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 because at that point the commandant doesn't even know that someone's died doesn't even understand anyone's died yeah you know and and the rsm's gone to sort his funeral mm. with stevens funeral but even the commandant doesn't even know no so it's this it's other layer of like well who's in command after Williams is sort of trying to cover his own back and win sort of personal battles with uh, Sean Connery's character. And Sean gets brutally beaten mm. by Williams and a couple of others. He lures him into a fight, doesn't he, by saying he'll, he'll fight him one-on-one in like a, in, in the solitary cell, turns around and, and there's two other screws with him and he, yeah. yeah, you know, they pin him to a wall and they beat, beat the beat hell out of him. Beats into a pulp almost, breaks his, mm. leg, breaks his foot. And that becomes one of the cruxes of the story. So they're, they're trying to get the medical officer to send him to a hospital to get him out of the prison mm. so that he's safe. 
from Williams. Because there's a very real likelihood that Williams will somehow find a way to kill him. Yeah. Getting Sean out of the picture will enable him to go and report all these people. So they don't want him leaving. Williams trying to say, oh, he's fine. Nothing happened. We had, we had He fell over or whatever. You've got Harris trying to go, look, you're the medical orderly. You need you outrank everyone here. Well, yeah, he's a captain. He's a captain, yeah. It's like the medical officer's forgotten that he's a captain. Mm. Yeah, and, it's it's weird. It's he's so like in like a in like a, a daze, isn't he, really? Mm. And he's just clearing people fit for punishment. Because he's always like, Oh, it's too hot. It's too yeah. hot. I'm, I've had enough of this. You know. He does mention on one one at least one occasion where it's like it's 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 too hot for the prisoners, you probably shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's totally no one cares, do they? No. You know. Very he doesn't mean. speak up for himself. Until the end. And he, you yeah. know, he's he's there facing off with Williams and he's demanding that Connery be ready for an ambulance and taken yeah. to the nearest hospital. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the RSM has a has a sort of face off with with uh, with Michael Redgrave's medical yeah, officer yeah. as well about about that. And that's the that's the scene where the power struggle comes to the fore mm. and Harris the kindly staff sergeant basically says, listen, Bert, you know, RSM Wilson, mm. you've not been in control of this prison for days. It's Williams. Williams has taken control. Yeah. It wasn't until that point. I, I, I didn't really, I didn't really twig that that was what no. was going on. I didn't see it. You know, because that whole powerful scene of, of the RSM breaking up the mutiny that struck me as he's still, he's still very much in control mm. of this. But I suppose you could say that the very fact that a mutiny occurred showed that he'd lost control because of, you know, what Williams had been, you know, doing. Williams sort of black tries to blackmail Redgrave, doesn't he? Yes. Like, and well, you've you passed him fit for punishment. All I was doing was punishing him. It's mm-hmm. you that you that did it. And the RSM's kind of shocked by this, I think. Yeah. He he's sort of looking at Williams as if to say, like You cheeky bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he he, he sort could, of has to go along with yeah, it. Yeah, for like saving face. Mm. And then the, Michael Redgrave twigs and goes, this is blackmail. How dare mm. you? Yeah. Now we're sort of seeing that everyone is trying to cover their own backs apart from Redgrave. And he says, right, I'm going to send for an ambulance. We're going to get you out of here, Connery. He goes away. And then you've got Williams and Andrew's character. They have a, they have a bit of a, an argument. The RSM that he strikes Williams. He does. No, yeah. no one gives me orders. No one. And he like he raises his his um cane at him. I think that's the moment he realizes that he has lost control. Mm. Williams is almost like he wants him to hit him. He's, he yeah. go he goads him into it, and you can tell mm. Williams Williams's character out of the film must have been this sort of like jumped up little Napoleon sort of man who feeds off bitter energies and things. <laughs> Everyone's mean in this movie. There's no nice people. No. It's such a, it's such a weird film. And then there is no plot until that point. <laughs> no. The film should almost start there, mm. shouldn't it? It's such an odd sort of, it's like a day in the life before that mm. moment. It is, yeah. And all the while, Sean's witnessing all this. And he says, look, I'm going to put all of this in my report. It's pretty desperate at this point, isn't Very it? Very you know, desperate, like, yeah. You can hear it in Connery's voice. He's like, I'm, I'm going to report all of this. You know, he's like... He hates the army by this point. He's had enough of being he in does. the army. He's completely he? despondent. And, you know, when the, the, the uh, medical officer goes off to organise the ambulance, he feels like he's won. Mm. Mm. He finally feels like he's won. And there's there's a point where the, the RSM, after, the, after that altercation with Williams, leaves. 
mm. to go and help organize the, the ambulance site and inform the commandant of what's been going on. That's it, yeah. And basically, McGrath, uh, Jack, Jack uh, Watson's Jock McGrath character, and Ozzie Davis's uh, Jack O'King set upon Williams when he goads them. Yeah. And Connery just looks on completely despondent and and desperate for them to stop, stop because he knows if they continue to beat him, then they've all lost. Yeah, there'll be no case because they're all they're all gonna automatically side with the prison staff. Yeah. And I can totally get why Sean is sort of he's mm. like, please stop. And the the end of the movie is Sean. There's this low sort of shot of Sean Connery's mm. face, and you yeah. can just hear the beating. Yeah, going on in the background. Yeah. And he, he he's just so despondent. Yeah. And he's like, please, we, we'd won. We'd won. Sean Connery's acting. He actually acts in this movie. Yes. And that's one of the reasons he took the film, isn't it? You know, he wanted something to stretch his abilities as an actor rather than just being known for Bond. The Hill definitely does that. Mm. It's a fascinating character piece that brings out a hell of a lot out of all of the actors involved. Mm. And you get this, you're sort of following this, this brief story of probably like over a couple of days, isn't it really? Yeah, I think so. And the brutality comes through. And, you know, the despondency of the prisoners in the face of this brutality becomes so much that they have to say something. They have to try and do something. Yeah. And when they finally on the brink of winning, you know, and proving that this sadistic staff sergeant has been cruelly treating them and has led to the death of one of them. Yeah. That slips away from Connery. And yeah. in, in his face, you can see that slip away. If he and survives, it, who knows? Because the film cuts away and that's how it ends. It cuts and you get it goes to black and just says the hill and you get the sound of a, a prison door locking and then the credits roll. There's no just desserts. I mean, you could, you could argue that Williams getting beaten up is punishment enough, but it's not because you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel cathartic. Doesn't none of it does. No. no. And that's, that's the thing with Lume's films or the ones that I've seen anyway, where I feel like you don't get a just desserts with Lume movies. Mm. You know, at the end of the hill, you're like, what happened? Tell me. Like, yeah, I need there's, to there's know. no resolution. Yeah. Basically. Not none at all. But it's a phenomenal film. And it, you know, it's, it's a it's, testament. It's, yeah. it's a testament to all their acting abilities that mm. they carried this character piece to a point where you're so invested. Definitely. And it's a sort of looking back now, I'm you know, such a shame and, and, and sad that Connery is no longer with us because over the last few weeks, I think a lot of us have been watching connery's movies that not that aren't bond yeah. and actually we're he'll forever be bond but he'll forever be bond but he was so much more of an actor he's so much more and in movies like the hill he really really shows his acting chops mm. and he's really talented and he actually he can show you know he's not just this big this big imposing scottish man he's he's actually a quite a nuanced actor when he wants to be yeah because there are moments in the hill where you feel like he's a completely different person you know he is Joe Roberts, who who beat up his his CO, we would implore you, from everyone at, at Fighting on Film HQ, that this movie is is one to hang Sean Connery's legacy on. Exactly, it's one that we 
you know, as soon as we heard the sad news that he, he died, that we thought, what films can we cover on the pod that would, you know, showcase Connery as the iconic actor that he is? Mm. Um, and, you know, we thought The Hill was just the obvious choice. Yeah. Because it's such a powerful performance. Definitely. You know, I, I was saying to, to Matt before we started recording, you know, I could definitely see him in Command of Matilda too. You know, he, he looked very much like Tank Commander stock. So, Matt, any final thoughts? I think The Hill's just one of those iconic films that grow. So while it might not have been an instant classic, I think it's certainly for those who are uh, fans of Connery and, you know, fans of, of that kind of film, that kind mm. of war film, it's it's sort of become one of those classic films that are very character based so you know like bridge of river kwai is very character based you know and and this is this is a, a very strong character movie i think mm. and it's got that brilliant cast of classic british character actors yeah and and the film was nominated for six baftas and it only won the cinematography the photography bafta but for american listeners a bafta is a british academy award basically it's a sh- it's a shame that it didn't win any more awards i think they certainly deserved it. I it really did, because it is an American film. It, it, American money behind it, American, you know, director, things like that. Mm, I think it was MGM that, that MGM produced it, wasn't it? released it, um, produced it, yeah. So it is a massive cult classic, I think, now. Rightly so. 100%. Since Lume passed away, all of his movies have sort of got rediscovered, and, and The Hill sort of is, is one of those movies. Well, it just shows the breadth of his, you know, his ability. You know, he, he could... He could go from being suave bond to you know being a dark, broken tank regiment NCO to, to shooting Nazis in the face in Arnhem. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. We had a lot of nice interaction from you, you guys, when Sean passed away on the day on the day that he did pass. You know, mm. some great tributes to the man over on the uh, Fighting on Film Twitter. If you aren't following us yet, do find us at Fighting on Film. So yeah, we've got loads of things coming up towards Christmas. We've got some great movies we're going to be covering. We mentioned one of them earlier on in the podcast, but we won't give it away just yet. Wild Geese. (laughs) (laughs) Another big thank you again for listening, guys, and we hope you enjoyed The Hill. Thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. Au revoir. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.